0: You're listening to Once, episode 216, The Bear and the Bow. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. I'm Aaron. And we're happy to have you listening with us. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast already, go to oncepodcast.com and subscribe there from the myriad of options available. But let's jump right into talking about this episode. It starts out in the past with breaking out Lancelot, which we didn't really get to see why. Are they breaking out Lancelot? Why than the not? Fact that he's a good guy.
1: Well.
2: Who's been unjustly imprisoned.
1: They've decided they have to work against Arthur. So they need that ally that's been thrown into that dank prison. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, and didn't they kind of landed him there too, right? When they were under the spell?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. They did true. kind of do that. It's even more confusing because Granny's is in both timelines.
2: That. It has been confusing. I actually think I had to correct one of our
0: hashtags. (laughs) (laughs) I think that might also be one of the reasons that Belle's hair looks so different in this episode compared to others. Like Belle looked very different and it's primarily her hair was very different. I think to help us understand the difference between Belle and Merida in Storybrooke and Belle and Merida in Enchanted Forest.
2: Oh, that's a good call. That's
0: probably true.
2: She did look very different though in other ways too, I think.
0: Yeah. I I couldn't quite figure it out. I figured Jenny would probably know if Jenny was here, she would be able to say, oh yeah, she did her eye makeup completely differently or look, her eyebrows are tweezed differently or I don't know.
1: It could be makeup. It almost looked like she's lost weight. Not that it seemed like she had any to lose, but that's kind of how her face looks somehow
0: thinner or something. I would
2: agree with that too. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry I'm failing as the token girl on the podcast. But. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, one of the things that was uh, interesting to learn from this scene is that Merlin has been in the tree for a thousand years or so. And Merlin himself actually said millennia, not millennium. He said over the last millennia. And millennia is the plural form of millennium. So it's more than 2000 years. ...that Merlin has been in that tree. Which mm. makes
2: sense. It makes sense with... I don't know if it was a theory, right? That his girlfriend was the first Dark One. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense because the Dark One's been around forever. And Rumpelstiltskin's been the Dark One for even longer... Like, longer than he seems to have been alive.
0: Right. Yeah, at least 300 years, I think, is how he pegged it. But he, he said the last millennia, which doesn't
1: make a lot of sense... Unless he just sort of used the wrong form of the word. Yeah. uh, And that could be. And didn't Hook say 30 years, like two seconds before that?
0: No, Hook had said 1,000, 1,000 years. Oh, he did? Yeah. Oh, okay. But he can see the future in bits and pieces. And I think that helps make sense of what we talked about a little bit in the initial reactions. When, Jeremy, you brought up the point of why the whole going to Emma in the past, to tell her don't remove Excalibur when he could just tell her right then. Well,
1: Sure, he wasn't sure he was going to get that chance.
0: Exactly. Yeah, because he could only see bits and pieces. Maybe he couldn't even see beyond getting out of the tree. Sounds a little like Rumpelstiltskin.
3: Hmm.
0: Yeah.
4: <laughs> it does.
0: I'm wondering, who enchanted these prison bars? And by the way, magic can change over time so when he
1: said things had changed did he mean that it was a magic he did say it was a magic he'd never encountered before but it could also have been i don't remember bars being enchanted before (laughs) of course he wouldn't have been familiar with that dungeon because that dungeon's a little
0: too new yeah
2: well and isn't that entire castle a spell with that powder
0: Or it's been created by a spell. Whether it exists as a spell or it was the result of a spell, I don't know. Like if you break the spell, does the castle disappear or does the castle remain? That's the kind of thing. Was it created by a spell or is it a spell in and of itself?
1: Until we find out, don't sleep in any towers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) At least none that aren't Uh, Merlin's towers. Right.
2: (laughs) I think though that the magic comment, as long as they remain consistent, which I'm not counting on necessarily, but they've said magic can't be destroyed, but it can just change in form. So I think in the last 2000 years, with all of these sociopathic dark ones, perhaps magic has changed. Mm-hmm. And that's all he meant in form.
1: Like kids these days and their magic. And yet Bell was able to find something that helped in an old book. <laughs> So that was convenient.
0: Well, old book to Belle could be 50 years, 100 years, 300 years. Well, that's true. Merlin, at least a 1,000 years, maybe a couple thousand years.
1: She is pretty good with those books, I've got to say. That was a gigantic book. She went right to it.
2: It's almost like she knew where to turn the page.
1: I like that they didn't come up with some funny magic babble. He was just like, yeah, that'll work. And he just does it. Oh, I just need to think differently. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And Merida decides to knock out Belle in an effort to get her help to find the three brothers. I've noticed that Belle has sort of this effect on
1: people. When they meet <laughs> her in the Enchanted Forest, at some point, they try to strike her with something. I don't know why. I mean, poor thing. She doesn't really deserve it. That but is, they do. That's true. And then she ends up working with them later. She
0: Wow. She has been struck several times by several people. <laughs>
1: I mean, one of these days, she's just going to look around grannies and be like, you know what? I'm hitting you and I'm hitting you. And it just, it's just time.
2: One of these days, she's going to wake up in a coma. And
1: if you <laughs> Wait, she don't is? know
2: where that is from, <laughs> that's okay. It's an up. Easter egg for some, oh. some people who will know.
1: Oh, I see.
2: <laughs> this scene was so frustrating to me. And my... I got to work the day after, like on Monday, and my coworkers were like, Did you watch Once Upon a Time? And that scene of the forest. And like, Belle, and how could they not hear that Belle was getting dragged away? And how did they not notice that she was gone? And that's yeah. exactly how I felt. Like, you could still see on one of the angles, you could still see them
1: walking away right. when she hit her. Plus, Meredith said so much about it because I needed them to be out of earshot. And Belle's like, Huh? Could you possibly be planning something nefarious? Let me just turn my back for you. And then wham. Plus, Merida's whole reason for doing it. Like, why would I ask and risk a no? Couldn't you ask and then hit if you get a no? I mean, it would have taken perhaps 10 more seconds.
2: Yeah. I'm not a fan of Merida in this episode. (laughs) I really liked her. I really liked her in the first episode where we met her. And then... She hasn't been bad since because she's been in the dungeon in the past and in the present, she's under the control of the Dark One. So you can't really blame her for her actions. But seriously, like, I'm not a fan. All she would have had to do is ask. Bell's like a bleeding heart. She totally would have just done it.
1: Also, new observation. Redheads end up imprisoned. <laughs> Selina is in jail. Not Ariel. That's true. She was imprisoned. And mermaids can realm jump, so she's the freest of all of them. So never mind. That blows that theory.
0: (laughs) As they go to the shores of Dunbroch, one of the things that stood out to me is how often bad things happen (laughs) when you tell someone they don't deserve something.
1: Yeah.
2: I really liked that line. Would you give up everything you ever dreamed just because a man said you didn't deserve it? That kind of sums up Merida's story in Brave.
0: Yeah, it does. And uh, there's a lot in this episode that does tie back to Brave sets, very similar, and of course, the ideas and characters mentioned and designs of different things. Definitely a movie that you should see if you want to continue watching this season of Once Upon a Time. I was going to try and watch it again before we discussed this episode, but I didn't get a chance to make it out to the library to borrow it again because I'm a little bit behind on owning my Pixar movies on Blu-ray. But they go to the witch's hunt, which is very much like The Hut.
4: A hut. From
0: from the movie Brave. In fact, the layout of the room was very similar to Brave, where a table was, where the cauldron was, where a shelf was. What wasn't there that was in Brave was all of the bear-themed wood carvings. But... It makes sense because, spoiler, in Brave, Merida buys everything from the witch, who is also a woodcarver. So it would make sense that maybe Mm. she decides to start carving something other than bears or this is a new collection of carvings (laughs) in her little hut. Mm
1: -hmm. She decided to branch out a little bit.
2: Shouldn't Merida's brothers be like itsy bitsy, teeny tiny? I think she used the word wee boys, not taller than her and older looking than her.
0: How old would you say these boys were?
1: I don't know. Uh, I, all I really saw was a lot of red hair.
2: Yeah, I think because it would be hard to find three identical twin boys to play this part. But in the movie, they're like toddlers.
0: Yeah. Oh, I think that the idea here is about maybe eight years have passed. They were not eight. I don't, well, I don't know. <laughs>
2: Well, no, if they were 8, then they would be like 11 or 12, but those boys were not 11 or 12.
0: Right. Yeah, that that is a little discrepancy there. I could see the boys Eh. being somewhere around 16 in the episode. What did I say
1: before? Everyone in Once Upon a Time needs to be in the same general
0: age range and related. (laughs) That's
1: how it works.
0: But we got to see Macintosh, MacGuffin, and Dingwall, the characters also from the movie Brave, and looking very much like their characters, the sons of the clan leaders from Brave. And that last one, I mean, his parents don't
1: love him.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I think his dad looks exactly like him, if I remember from the movie. (laughs) That story she told about how her dad died was very... I did not even catch that the first time through. I think I was... Not paying attention or something because that was a really like heart wrecking story and uh kind of makes sense why she feels the way she feels,
0: yeah. And I even wondered if maybe when she said she missed, if maybe she actually hit her father, but I don't think no, it would be like that. No. I thought that's what she was gonna say, yeah. but and
1: by the way, she really. Amy Manson, who plays Merida, really pulled that whole monologue off really well. Because mm-hmm. that's not... There, you almost feel some tension as she's telling the story. And it was really a very quick little story, but it's it's easy to kind of let that just be a lot of talking, but she did a really good job with that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I did like her in this scene. I, I, Like I said, I wasn't a huge fan of her behavior throughout the episode, but in this scene, she was very heroic and... uh You know, she said some funny things and some very poignant things about, uh, like, you're lucky someone once taught me the value of mercy. That was, like, a really good one because, I mean, that scene could have gone many different ways after she kind of won over the rest of the clans.
0: And that's alluding a little bit to the lesson that she learned from Emma. I think think it's a direct reference, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Ironic that she learned mercy from the Dark One, (laughs) but the Dark One not really being the Dark One at that point. Yeah, not not totally yet. She learned it from Emma.
2: Is the actress who plays Merida, you said Amy Manson? Is mm-hmm. that her name? Is she actually Scottish?
0: Yes. If she wasn't, that would be a horrible irony to have a non-Scottish girl playing someone with a Scottish accent yeah, and then a I Scottish p- Scottish person playing someone without a Scottish accent.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh just cuz it's her accent's very good. And that makes sense then. <laughs> People don't always have the accents that they're supposed to have. I am just saying.
1: It's true.
2: And they're not always good at doing the accent that they're supposed to be doing. That is true as well. (laughs) So I was just wondering, and I was going to give her a kudos if she was not actually Scottish for how Scottish she sounds.
0: (laughs) So good job on being you, Amy Manson. (laughs) It was neat to see Belle and... Merida get to do this little adventure together reminded me of when um, Belle also had been on other adventures before, like helping Mulan find the Yagway, that creature. That thing. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That turned out to be, you know, some prince dude. She does get to go on some great adventures.
2: Yeah. And with Anna as well. Yeah. I feel like it's just because her timeline is the most empty. In the past. So it's like, who can we make, uh, have an adventure here? Oh, we could make Belle. She wasn't doing anything.
1: Belle basically reads books and walks while she does it. And she ends up in strange and unusual places and helps people when she finds them. Mm-hmm. Um, Although she didn't help so much. I mean, she did ultimately. She almost got those three boys killed. Just saying. Like, switching out the potion why make the potion if you're just going to switch it with water?
0: Did she just <laughs> think twice after she made it? It was a bad plan, though. Well, because that potion needed to be made in order for Merida to use it in Enchanted Forest. Oh, well,
1: there you go. I true. For, I forgot <laughs> that.
0: In Storybook, that is. Uh, mm. Yeah, because if, if it wasn't made, I don't think Emma would have thought to make it, but. That's true. She probably had it. Emma brought it over, all of that stuff.
1: That's true. And, but the. I mean, can't. Like, all those guys with bows and arrows and swords and things, don't you think they could have killed a bear?
2: It was a supernatural bear. I mean, I'll go on a rant about that when we get to the present day viewing of (laughs) it. But um, it was a pretty big bear.
0: Yeah, and if you watch Brave and see how the bear acted then, it no, an entire (laughs) army could not take down Uh the bear. It was more than just a bear. It was like a a super-powered, yeah, supernatural bear. Hmm. Well, all right, then.
2: I had a little bit of an issue just with the language of this episode, specifically the past, um, where they were talking about fate. uh, Because fate, (laughs) like, by definition means that it's beyond the person's control. And Belle basically is saying, you can change your fate. You don't need magic. So, like – it's not your fate if you're changing it. Because it's if you're changing it, you're controlling what, your fate.
1: Well, they like, needed Belle to say fate, and she forced it in very, very obviously. So I, I can have the same.
2: <laughs> well, and then we had fate mentioned again in the yeah. final scene of the past.
0: Um, and fate was the whole theme of the movie Brave. Brave. And that's what it is, is that at the beginning merida is just struggling with this idea of oh i don't want my fate i want to change my fate and then at the end it's basically realizing that hey you know what i can change my fate the future Mm -hmm. is mine to change
2: but i know we've talked about this in the past because like in our previous episodes because um of all the prophecy and so like then it's like self-fulfilling prophecy it's not really your fate because you know about it so then you're taking action to make it come true um So I know like, especially with the whole like Rumpelstiltskin finding Neil and Neil um, finding Emma, we like, we had a lot of discussion then about this, or I think you guys did. I wasn't even doing the podcast (laughs) yet, but uh, yeah. And even Emma, like having the greatest potential for darkness. Like there's just some language stuff that I constantly get annoyed by in this episode. Mm. I can probably tell you who wrote this episode without actually looking.
1: Oh, (laughs) I'm not going to.
2: (laughs)
0: Tell us in the post-show. Yeah. <laughs> well, and speaking of post-show, they go to where all post-shows are done. Granny's Diner. Yeah. But this time around chocolate. Yes, nice to see the Apollo bars there. And yes, okay, thanks for reminding us and all the other viewers what we saw only a few weeks ago. Oh, yes.
1: They played almost the entire scene. Yeah. Felt that way anyway. When uh, Emma was traumatized. Mm-hmm. One of the many times of throughout her childhood by this strange Usher man.
0: And now it finally makes sense all these years later. I think it could have been fun if they made a little, some little comment like Emma could say, Well, actually, the chocolate wasn't all that good anyway. Or, <laughs> or I never went to a theater again after that. <laughs> <laughs> you scarred me for life. <laughs> that was my fate. <laughs> Before we move on to talking about present day Storybrooke, I want to thank some people who helped make this episode of Once Podcast possible. We have 29 backers on Patreon contributing on a monthly basis. Thank you very much. The actual amount has fluctuated, especially over the last couple or few months. So we would love it if you'd go back to Patreon and consider maybe upping your contribution a little bit. But also Lisa Slack. She is a huge, faithful, contributor to the podcast. She is no slacker at all.
1: Oh (laughs) my goodness. She
0: supports episode after episode after episode of the podcast. Lisa, thank you very much. Thank you to our 29 Patreon backers as well. If you would like to be a hero for the podcast and keep us from suffering a horrible fate, turning into a bear or getting bear on content or bearish on content, our fandom for the show or anything like that then please go to com slash hero that's where you can sign up to be our patron on patreon that's where you contribute a certain amount per month on an automatic monthly basis that's what really helps us best but you can also do your christmas shopping by going to com slash hero and click on one of our amazon links it doesn't cost you anything extra But then it helps support the podcast as well. What
1: an awesome idea.
0: (laughs) It is. Think about all the awesome gifts you could give to someone. And speaking of great gifts, another way you can support the podcast and give a great gift for someone else or for yourself is buy a Once Upon a Time t-shirt. They're going to be going on sale again very soon. So go to oncepodcast.com slash t-shirts to purchase a t-shirt there and Send us a picture. If you get one of those shirts, tell us what your favorite design is. Send us a picture of it. And in fact, also go there. And even if you're not going to buy a shirt, tell us what shirts you would like to see us wearing so that we Mm. could get a shirt that matches us. (laughs) That's all available over at oncepodcast.com slash hero. And thank you for your support. Now moving on to present day in Storybrooke.
2: Oh, man. (laughs) I think it's been pretty well established that I'm not a huge fan of Belle. I'm even less of a fan of her when she's, you know, being all ridiculous when it comes to Stiltskin. <laughs> but during this, I had to watch this scene a couple times and just be like, is this discussion really happening? First of all, Emma hasn't done anything. She kidnapped Rumple. That's it. And they don't even know that she's sent Merida after him yet. Like Emma has not done anything comparable To what Rumpelstiltskin did as the dark one.
1: Well, there's the Violet's Heart thing. They seem to think that's pretty bad.
2: They seem to think that that's pretty bad. Yes. (laughs) And apparently, everyone in town knows about it, which is, I mean, poor Henry. Right. But, like, again, that's, it's still to me, it's not even comparable. Like, she basically, it's just, I can't believe sometimes what comes out of her mouth. But I just (laughs) have to remember that she's. Basically a woman in an abusive relationship, and until she realizes that she's a woman in an abusive relationship and that it's not going to stop until she gets out, she's just going to keep being a woman in an abusive relationship.
1: Oh. So you're not a fan of Hero Rumple?
2: Well, I don't know that one time doing something makes you, like, suddenly become a hero.
1: Ah, that's the mechanic we've had given to us. Yes, it does. Apparently, He's become a hero. And apparently
2: that means he's no longer a coward, he's no longer afraid, and he's like... Ready to face the dark one.
1: Until we're ready to explain how things
0: aren't black and white again. Ah, the mechanics of storytelling. (laughs) (laughs) But they do remember how to use this mushroom again. So I'm glad to see that... You mean the Crimson Crown? Yes. (laughs) I'm glad to see that come back and not just be this thing left by the wayside that they never used. Right. But meanwhile, Rumpel is tied up and uh, has to break chip in order to escape and the first time i watched this i was thinking oh no problem he's fixed it before he can fix it again (laughs) no he can't fix it again Mm -hmm. that's why this was such an emotional thing for him to break that he's not the dark one anymore he doesn't have magic so he can't just fix it again like he did the time that bell broke the chipped cup
1: right
2: well they're even now at least. (laughs) yeah I mean, I'm sure the hearts of rum everywhere broke and shattered and just like the cup, but
1: The sad thing is I was kind of thinking, it was already chipped. Couldn't you have tried the chipped spot to cut the rope before <laughs> you smashed the cup? But it was nice and dramatic and they gave it a little slow mo. It was and... very
3: dramatic.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was... cup would not have made that sound.
1: <laughs> it was kind of uh it was kind of fitting. I actually had forgotten that it had been broken before. So
0: yeah, broken by Lacey, If you want to remember that, she was cursed. Oh uh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's the excuse for everything. <laughs> and Rumble had this very tender moment there in the library where Gold was just pouring out his heart, <laughs> saying, "What a couple of nerds <laughs> in the library!" <laughs> yeah. But he was saying how grateful he was, how much he owed to Bell. And essentially, without saying the words, I love you, essentially saying how much he loved what she did for him. Mm -hmm. But she seemed disinterested or kind of, I couldn't quite pick a word for it. Disconnected.
2: Perhaps it's just because she's heard it 8 million times before. Right. Right. Just like I was disinterested because I've heard it 8 million times before as a viewer of this show.
0: <laughs> but this time, Rumple doesn't have the crutch of magic to go back to. Or his own crutch. Well, he did get that back. <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> well, he kind of does because he still went after magic.
0: It's yeah. true.
1: He did. Um, and apparently they had to wait quite a while and make a really harrowing dash across deserted Main <laughs> Street. And the timing with which Merida shot through the window in the shop makes me think that she should have probably seen them running across the street. (laughs) She could have also invaded the library. So uh, I'm not sure why they weren't in danger a little sooner.
0: Unless it was something like Emma being now the dark one could tell when someone went into Gold's shop and then she just poofed Merida there and said, okay, they're in Gold's shop. Go get them.
2: <laughs> and really, they needed it to happen in private so that no, you know, the town is crawling with heroes, as was confirmed again in this episode. So, I mean, there's no reason why one of those heroes wouldn't have stepped in to help if they had seen something going down on Main Street. That's They're a very true. nosy town.
0: But Bell does see a hero inside of Rumple and asking him to be the hero they need, not the hero that they deserved. <clears throat> Gotham. Oh, wow. (laughs) And of all of the things inside Gold Shop, he finds anti-transformational powder.
1: Uh Uh-huh.
2: It's very convenient.
1: I'm going to put this question out there, but I myself am probably not going to consider the answer too long because it's probably just going to frustrate me. And the question only just came to my mind. How many situations could they have used anti-transformational powder in in the past? Like literally people transformed into something else and they really needed those people to be people again. Or something. Like I said, I don't I don't actually want to... I mean, there are flying monkeys flying around my head right now as I consider that question, but I don't want to go any further. I'm just going to leave it there. Because <laughs> I actually liked the anti-transformational powder until this second. <laughs> mm.
0: But flying monkeys, for real. <laughs> it was terrifying to see... Merida is so serious at killing Belle. In fact, she did pull the arrow back and shoot the arrow at Belle, but it hit the mirror. But she's that serious. And Belle, you could see the terror on Belle's face for this one moment. Like Belle looked at Rumpel and this this look of horror, almost a look like I as a husband can (laughs) imagine the emotions that were going on. Like, aren't you going to protect me? You said you would protect me why aren't you protecting me? Or you're, you're letting me down. I'm about to be killed and you're <laughs> cowering in the corner. Right. Coward. Coward. Cowering coward. Who cowers? I,
1: <laughs> this, this does not match what you just said, but really the main thing that stood out to me about that scene was how when Merida enters the shop, to kill someone, as so many have before her, the little bell always rings over the door. <laughs> and yeah. then they, they politely close the door half the time, too, before they start the killing.
2: Like, I know Merida was very serious, but she did also have that tortured look when she said to him, stop me, you coward. Like, she did not want to do what she was doing. Oh,
1: yeah. Right. What an um, odd situation. Everybody in the room wants <laughs> wants Rumple to stop her, including Merida herself.
2: Yeah. But I didn't I don't I I don't like the notion of that Rumpel needed to save Belle. I think that's very counter theme of this show. I mean, in this scene, Belle saved herself, but later, why did it have to be Rumpel? I guess because he had the powder, but I don't like that they just went to the whole like damsel in distress and Rumpel hero swooping in to save the day.
1: You had to do something heroic. Even on that front though. Everybody's different. And of all the women on the show, Belle is not the most physical fighter among them. She uses other things, but everybody on the show has been saved by somebody else
0: at some point. True. Yeah. Now, meanwhile, there's a little munchkin kicking. <laughs> 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 and we learned that the patient with the mop does talk, apparently. And apparently to other people. Yeah. Because he had the gossip.
2: And apparently, somebody talked to him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> or maybe he was simply overhearing things, and then he likes to talk whenever the harsh nurse, nurse Ratchet, is out of the room. <laughs> Something that stood out to me in this conversation between Zelina and Emma is that Emma said, "You'll need an ally." That makes me think there's a battle coming. I I know. I've said, you sure it's not, I not just really dark one battle. banter. It could be dark one banter, simply to say you need someone on your side, not necessarily like it's going to be a battle between people. But it did give me a little hope that a battle is coming.
1: (laughs) I was all about the food. I liked seeing Regina taunt her sister without being in the scene. That tray was amazing.
2: Okay, locally grown organic food is what is best to be eating when you're pregnant.
1: It's true. And there was such a large amount of it. All I could think of was Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec. He (laughs) wouldn't have been happy either.
0: And it was all green, too. (laughs) Some of it was orange. juice was green. juice was green. (laughs) Oh, there was some orange? Okay.
1: (laughs) Uh, But then, uh, so Emma's got this power, and the onion rings she gives her were from grannies. She didn't just create them out of thin air. She... I guess, super sped them through a cooking process at Granny's.
2: Well, she probably ordered them like she did when she was uh,
1: (laughs) playing with Hook's mind and getting him to come on the boat. (laughs) Granny's like, I'm getting tired of all these orders just appearing from the dark one. (laughs) And then (laughs) then disappear. Order up. (laughs) 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 That's how Emma picks up her order. (laughs) (laughs) At least we never have to see her.
2: (laughs) Emma, there was a moment, uh, where Zelina said, even with all the time in the world, some things can't be forgiven. And then Emma disagreed with her. And I think that that, that made me think that, um, I, we've been theorizing that Emma is really doing good, like trying to do good or that she has, she's fighting the darkness and just making the dark one think she's on his side. And, um, her disagreeing with that kind of made me think that she is good like it it kind of supported that theory to me like she's going to do things and she's going to be expecting forgiveness because she did them for good
1: mm-hmm.
2: even though it may seem like she's doing them for evil right now hmm. and then Henry kind of backed up that statement at the end because he said that like who did that wasn't Emma Emma's in there somewhere but that's not my mom so I, I sense an emotional forgiveness scene between them.
1: <laughs> I love you more than pizza, mom. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Even and Cinnabon. Even more than Cinnabon and, and <laughs> <laughs> um, One of my coworkers theorized, and uh, I thought it was true, that um, Emma's going to try and use Zelina's baby as leverage now that she sees Ooh. kind of how close, how much Zelina wants this baby and... Um, how important it is to her. So I think that that's, I mean, that's very dark one centric. Oh yeah. Using people's firstborn to.
0: That's true. Watch out for if Emma brings any kinds of contracts. (laughs) She did say, do we have a deal? Yeah. She didn't laugh funny, but uh, (laughs) she said it. So apparently the deal making thing comes with being a dark one. Apparently. Was that a. Taking your firstborn yeah. pun? Ha, 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 <laughs> ha. <laughs> nice. Well, this is happening back in Regina's vault, they're trying to contact Merlin with the toadstool. The or Crimson just, Crown? <laughs> the Crimson <laughs> Crown. <laughs> and a couple things to keep in mind here with this scene is that Arthur does not remember what happened in Camelot after everyone arrived inside of Camelot. But he is still at enmity with Merlin for his own personal reasons. And I think at this point, now that Arthur is in Storybrooke, he probably feels like, ha, huh, I'm finally rid of Merlin. I can build this new Neverland. I mean, new Camelot here in, in Storybrook. And I only need the heart of the person most loyal to. I mean, I only... have we been here before are they Uh,
2: recycling storylines is that what you're implying
0: (laughs) well but the main idea i'm getting at here is that i think arthur doesn't want anything to do with merlin now maybe he's even given up the idea of i want to kill merlin it's just i'm in a different land i'm at a different time and different place i'll build camelot here away from merlin i don't have to think about merlin anymore because now this can be my camelot that's what I'm thinking he's thinking.
1: Maybe. It's hard to figure out sometimes what he actually does and does not remember. I assume he's like everybody else. I'm not sure it matters from his perspective. He's just so self-centered. I'm kind of tired of him. I've been trying to defend him find ways. Well, maybe he's still the Arthur of legend and he's just lost his way. Well, <laughs> cool. If that's ha- If that happens, fine. But right now... He's in the villain category in my book, Uh, even though I took a while to get there. For some of you, it was the beard, and I was, you know, (laughs) trying to give him a chance. But he's just kind of a little twerp, and he needs to be knocked down with a good non-contacting hand swipe from Merlin. We just need to figure out where Merlin is.
2: I think. I think we're we're, now that the truth has come out. I think we're gonna we're gonna see some of that.
0: Could
1: someone turn him into Poison Ivy?
0: No, that's a character from Batman.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) What I don't
2: know is how the truth didn't come out in this scene because it was so awkward and so obvious and written. They did not recycle good dialogue in this scene. It was, I did not like the scene. Oh,
1: the whole, uh, I need need to to be be alone, alone, guys. Yeah. Mm. Um,
0: no, it
1: didn't work. In fact, I only tried for five seconds.
0: But remember, they have no reason to doubt him at this moment because they don't remember Camelot. Camelot.
2: I think that is a reason to doubt him.
0: (laughs) Except they do remember
1: the stories. So maybe, like me, they just think,
0: well, he's Arthur. He has to be wonderful. You know, they don't even remember that Lancelot is still alive. Because Lancelot hasn't appeared in Storybrooke yet. That is true. True. Where is Lancelot?
2: I would think that if Henry's book has taught us anything, it's that people are not what they seem. I mean, little Bo Peep. Really? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. Mm,
1: maybe she has a history with Arthur. Maybe
2: maybe they're related. Yeah. And then they're also related to Charming's mother because maybe they have to they all have to be related.
1: Right. <laughs>
0: maybe Charming and Arthur are actually cousins and they don't know it.
2: Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Let's go with that.
0: Okay. We'll come back to talk about the scene, the last scene that happens in the same location with Henry and the potion and all that. But before we move on to discussing more about this episode, I want to remind you, our costume contest is open for submissions. Go to onespodcast.com slash contest and submit your once upon a time themed costume. We've had some great submissions so far. Some that I've I've rolled my eyes at, but thought, wow, that's really clever. Some that I've mm-hmm. been like, whoa, <laughs> where'd you even find that? And some amazing things are being submitted. So go to oncepodcast.com slash contest to submit a photo of yourself or someone in your family, a costume that you made for Once Upon a Time. And you have through November 6th to submit that in. I might actually extend that deadline just a little bit longer uh, to give you a little bit more time to get that photo in. But go over there to oncepodcast.com slash contest. This is available outside of the U.S. as well. So even if you're listening to this uh, from somewhere else, you can qualify for the prizes and submitting and all of that. Go to oncepodcast.com slash contest. The prizes for this are going to be a lot of fun too because over there we've got listed first place prize you get a copy of any season of once upon a time in your preferred format so that could be a blu-ray a dvd you could even say i want season five on blu-ray and then you'll need to wait until it's available, but we'll wait and then we'll ship it to you when it's available or whatever best method that we can work out, depending on uh, where you're located. If you're outside the United States, second place prize, you get a once upon a time themed t shirt of your choice from slash t shirts. And third place prize, you get a once upon a time poster to hang in your room or wherever you want to show your love for Once Upon a Time. Some great prizes over there. And if you're outside of the U.S. where we can't ship these things directly to you or get them through your local Amazon store, we will provide an equivalent value prize to your options that will be available. So check it out at oncepodcast.com contest. Please review the rules and submit there. And children under 13, this is very important, must have an email sent to me by a legal guardian authorizing that their uh, submission is okay. That is because we need to make sure everything's legal here that we're doing, and we want to also ensure that your children aren't submitting their own photos of themselves without your permission. If you're the parent and they're the children, children, make sure that you get your parents' permission too. Get it? Got it? Good. That's all at <laughs> oncepodcast.com slash contest we would love for you to win some awesome stuff from your awesome creativity awesome i want to win those prizes you can't i want to win
2: first prize because i'm behind
1: (laughs) 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 and it's very expensive in canada Mm.
0: yeah Well, back to Once Upon a Time in Storybrooke. Well, rather, Rumple and Belle are about to leave Storybrooke with this anti-transformational powder that I'm sure all of the old, ugly people are dying to get.
3: Mm.
1: <laughs> it's a different kind of transformation, and that's just rude.
0: <laughs> but apparently the powder does work because Rumple did cross the town line. So I wonder, could they use that powder on Dopey if they still had any of the powder left? Did he cross the town line or did he
1: drive 10 feet and go,
0: wait a minute, what am I doing? And turn around. I think he actually crossed the town line. Oh. Based on the location of the sign where they were, how far away he got before Bell turned around and there was Merida. Mm, All of that.
1: Maybe. We may never know unless he tells us. Before Bell walked away, it was nice to hear another reference to early Once Upon a Time, showing that the writers are still aware of the show's history, <laughs> uh, the story, discussing the story of how he became crippled and, and such.
0: Some would say it's a little bit revisionist or a retroactive continuity oh. to say that he broke his leg because he was afraid of the battle. But that does, I can see that fitting in. If you, I thought we knew that. If you go back and watch the episode Manhattan, mm-hmm. he was scared because he was seeing all these men coming back, wounded from battle. But yeah. he was also motivated because he talked to the seer and the seer said things about mm-hmm. uh, if you, you're going to get on this course, basically, of leaving your son without his father. And Rumpel thought the way to do that would be to avoid going into battle because he was also getting scared seeing all of these soldiers being killed and thinking, I'm going to get killed. I'm going to leave my son without a father if I go into battle. Yeah,
1: It makes me want to go back and watch it again. I didn't uh, think that it was revisionist. I remember thinking that he was scared. I don't remember thinking it was particularly selfless, which wanting to be
0: there for your son might be. And... After he then drives, apparently, across uh, the town lines, then comes the Beretta attack. The Beretta. <laughs>
1: uh, with that that bear, sometimes it looked slightly like a big ape or like King Kong. Mm-hmm.
0: The
2: transformation was also very like exorcist horror movie uh-huh. at the beginning. I thought they could have probably left that out.
1: The crunching of the for bones. For this
2: family television show.
1: I just wish they had used it all the way through the transformation.
2: So that no kids were ever allowed to watch the show ever again? Yeah. Okay. Uh,
1: Once again, good acting. It's not easy to act like magic is breaking your body and turning it into a giant bear. But after a second, we got the oh-so-familiar magic smoke swirling, and it was bear-colored, and then she was a bear. I think it should have been a redhead bear.
2: Yeah, that would have been good. I just couldn't believe, like, if a real bear took a swipe at Rumple, like just a normal, real reality, you know, I live in Canada, they're around sometimes, I'm sure you guys have bears too. If a bear took a swipe at Rumple, he would at the very least be incapacitated or bleeding or something. Yeah. I, I think probably he would have been dead.
1: Side note, by you guys, did you mean Americans or particularly in the greater Cincinnati area we have bears?
2: (laughs) I meant Americans.
1: (laughs) Okay, cool. Yeah, some places in America there are bears. Um, But yes, they focused, I felt like, on the claws and then it's just like, whoop, and he's just sort of like, oh, that was rude and now I'm on my back. I'm a cripple. What are you doing? He wasn't bleeding.
2: Yeah. Didn't hit his head hard enough that it affected his aim. Nothing.
1: Bell was appropriately terrified.
2: She was, Almost which is surprising.
1: More terrified than the activity of Merida, <laughs> like she was moving kind of slow. But it was, I mean, I know watching it as a TV show, I wasn't super terrified. But if I were there, I would be quite terrified. Or should I say, verified? Mm. No, Merida was verified. <laughs> Belle was terrified,
2: and she did a good job being terrified.
1: And
0: Rumple was bravified. And then Merida was transformified. <laughs> so we all win, really.
2: There, I said something nice about Belle, so hopefully I don't Aww. get any hate to my Twitter this episode.
0: Uh, Merida took this anti-transformational powder.
1: <laughs> oh, did she take it? She did. Well, <laughs> I think it was administered. Yeah.
0: And it makes me wonder, can she now safely cross the town line? Well. Will that come back into play? Because technically... This does seem like since she ingested it forcefully. And the bag. Yeah. That she should be able to cross the town line now. So
1: here's the thing. One would think that the powder would undo a transformation. However, a tree can hardly sprinkle itself with powder. So that would suggest that they were going to put it on themselves before they crossed the line. And that would suggest that it has a lasting effect because if it wears off... Well, you might make it even as far as New York or at least Boston and suddenly you're a tree again there. So that would stink. So you would think that especially with such a large dose taken internally, (laughs) you might actually be able to cross the town line. However, what is the advantage of that?
2: So she can fly to Scotland and be with her brothers.
1: (laughs) Mm. Or wherever her brothers are by their mother's side. I don't think you can fly to where her brothers are. Oh,
2: yeah, it's fictional Scotland.
1: Oh, or it's just the Enchanted Forest in a <laughs> an Scottish area accent. that's just kind of got some Scottish influence.
2: I have said this before and I was wrong, but Merida might go to Forgotten Character Island and <gasps> be done now. Because that was closure. Her storyline had closure until she gets back to her that's brothers. That's
0: true. Yeah. Hmm.
2: Like she has her heart. She has no reason to hang around.
1: Definitely mm-hmm. felt closure on the six weeks ago side. No, it wasn't even six weeks. Was it six weeks? Yeah, yeah. six weeks ago. Yeah, it was. Okay. <laughs> right. Okay. Yes. Mm. After she hit Bell in the head, apparently I lost my memory and <laughs> thought that it was just a long, long time ago. <laughs> so that part felt very close. So then the real, the real question for me is, I think we'll probably still see her... As the dots are further connected because it's a big leap from I'm going back to my kingdom to somehow she was brought to Storybrooke.
2: Oh, yeah. That's true.
1: So I think something's going to drag her back in.
0: Well, we've seen the curse bring people uh, simply Mm. because they had interacted with Regina or with whoever cast the curse.
1: (laughs) Because reasons. But this was not a curse.
0: (laughs) Right. This was something completely different that we still don't understand yet.
1: This was not the ever-shrinking Dark curse. Because, I mean, Dark Swan had to have this ghetto moment. (laughs) I still think that scene was amazing and out of place, but amazing. Just, there's the bug, kind of under a bridge, with Merida tied to the front bumper. It made absolutely no sense, and it was wonderful.
0: That bridge, by the way, (laughs) going back to that episode... Was also where Sidney Glass had met before. I knew it was familiar there.
2: Is it the troll bridge?
0: No, this is a different bridge.: oh. It's more like a tunnel.
1: Charming were on his game, he would patrol that regularly because clearly the nefarious people go there to do their dealings. <laughs>
0: Well, apparently, while Emma is sitting back at her place singing, "I'm holding out for a hero till the end of the night," he does (laughs) come. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. (laughs) And walks in of his own free will. Apparently, this act alone is enough to make him hero enough to pull the sword.
1: No, he uh, he defeated Merida fair and square, as she so helpfully (laughs) stated
0: when they walked in. And now we're buddies. Well, do remember that Rumple is a blank slate. So it's, it, at least his heart is, because all the darkness has been removed from it. It's mm-hmm. that perfectly clean, glistening white heart that was put back into him. So all he needed to do was make some heroic move, and then he's hero plus totally pure heart. So it didn't take a lot. Yes, we're looking at it through the eyes of Rumpel has done all of this bad stuff in the past how can he suddenly be a hero with one single act that yeah he was sacrificing his life he was in the act of sacrificing his life and then the anti-transformational powder enabled him to save his life and Bell's life
1: <laughs>
0: but uh he they're not pushing all of that back stuff behind Because he did make that apology to Bell before he pulled the sword. And while that apology alone I don't think is enough, it does show, I think, that he recognizes that almost everything he's done has been the wrong thing. He didn't outright say it was wrong or it was bad or I should not have done it. He said I would have done it differently, which I think is his basic way of essentially saying I shouldn't have done that.
2: I just feel like we've heard that before from him. And that's why I have all caps in my notes here. (laughs) When he said, I would change everything for you. He's had the opportunity to do that a million times.
0: But times that he's said that before, he's always held on to something. Mm -hmm. Like he had the dagger hidden while he was saying his vows to Belle. (laughs) And gave her false dagger and all of this stuff.
2: I guess because he's a blank slate, then this actually means something this time. It does to her, it it appears.
1: Well, right. And it's it's more clear that he doesn't really have any other angle in this. And she tells him it's never too late, which
0: under these circumstances is nice. (laughs) But he does get to pull the sword. And when I rewatched the episode, even though I knew how it ended... I was thinking, boy, it would have been cool if by pulling the sword, he was transformed into actually looking like a hero.
1: Oh, what? Like in the finale of last
0: year? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Or maybe even something whiter and shinier, you know, a knight in shining armor. There's an actual white horse under him.
1: Just all of a sudden...
2: he pulled the sword, but then he gave it to Emma, which I don't think was part of the deal. So he could have pulled the sword and used it to fight Emma, potentially, instead of just
1: dropping it at her feet. It was implied. And I don't think the sword's ready for the fight. Like, this was the second time, at least, we've seen it dramatically pulled from the stone. And then as it's being pulled, there's that broken end. And I just, I want to laugh every single time because it looks all (laughs) triumphant, but there's something dreadfully wrong with this scene.
2: Do you guys think that Emma has already pulled or tried to pull the sword from the stone in the
1: past? At least once. I think so. Because we saw it. Well, uh,
0: remember, she got blasted back. And what, You're saying the past as in, like, in Camelot.
2: Yeah, the six oh, weeks ago. not
0: in the basement cave? Because well, in...
2: otherwise, Merlin's, wiz- like Merlin's warning doesn't make sense, because this can't be what he's talking about, because Emma didn't pull the sword. right. Oh, unless he said, did he say that you'll have the chance to remove Excalibur? Yes. Yeah. Maybe just by
0: proxy it works. Well, and back in Camelot, the sword was with Arthur. So even this path that they're on with getting Lancelot out of prison and all of that, I think that puts them on a path to take the sword away from Arthur, not to put it back in the stone or to... Have it somehow magically end up in the s- stone and Emma to try and take it out again. But then again, it could be her trying to take it out that sent them all back to Storybrooke. Hmm. I don't know if it has that power. We don't know what kind of power the sword and the dagger have together, really. That's no. true.
2: I think we're about to find out.
0: Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're also coming up on a break for Once Upon a Time. So do remember that there will be no episode of Once Upon a Time on Sunday, November 22nd. But on Sunday, November 15th, we'll get a two-hour-long episode. So make sure if you are using a DVR that you set it to record for the full two hours. And that will be probably a really cool episode. And then we have the winter hiatus coming up soon and they'll leave us with some kind of cliffhanger in some ways things seem to be moving quickly toward that cliffhanger but in other ways they're probably going to give us some awesome story to fill in the time before that actual cliffhanger (laughs) gold said that he is now basically the opposition to emma and the biggest opposition that she'll ever have because he's a hero and i think what makes that a difference is that he was once a Dark One. In fact, unless Nimue was the first Dark One, I think Rumpel is probably the only person to have ever survived being a Dark One.
1: Uh,
2: Yes. Yeah, that's true.
0: Unless Nimue survived it somehow and, and something weird like that. So he probably knows exactly how to defeat the Dark One.
2: Well, at the very least, he knows how the Dark One thinks.
0: Oh yeah, but there's actually something about this
1: particular contest between the two of them that I find exciting. What is that? I don't know. I just think there's something about it that I find exciting. <laughs> well, they've
2: always been—they've always been really good rivals. Like one of my favorite scenes of them is in Neil's apartment when they're fighting and they're about to go head to head until Neil comes in. Like, I would have loved to see that continue. (laughs) Neil, why'd you have to swoop in and save the day? They, they've always had good banter. They've always had good, um, you know, deal making, deal breaking back and forth. And I think it's just because neither one of them, like they were both pretty fearless going into all of the situations. So, Mm -hmm. It's it will be interesting to see the opposite, but I think it's going to be really weird for me at least because it's really hard for me to imagine gold as anything other than evil with you know ulterior motives and wanting to just make deals and loopholes and
1: and I think that's what it is. At the beginning of the story, Rumple was the dark one, and Emma's role was the savior for Storybrooke, and she says. Now Storybrook has no savior, but n- at this point, it's now that she's the dark one and now that he's this hero, it's starting to look like that's his job now. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, that sigh might be very uh, similar to what Alina was thinking, saying, For all the talk of bravery and female empowerment in Merida's quest to save her brothers and claim her rightful place as queen— This episode really missed the mark. The Dark Mm -hmm. One has been seeking a person with a good heart and soul of a hero. So she comes up with this twisted plan to turn gold into a hero. However, there was always a person whose actions were already that of a hero. We saw it in the flashbacks and in the present. That person was Belle. It was Belle who showed Merida the right way to reclaim her throne. It was Belle who tried to save gold by forcing him to face his fears. It was Belle who faced her own fears by refusing to leave town with gold. Belle also tried to reach Merida while she was a bear, threatening to tear Belle apart. Yet all of this was overlooked for the sake of forcing the hero status onto gold in some sort of twisted attempt at redemption for a man who at this point hasn't deserved it yet.
2: Yeah. Well, okay. I totally agree with that feedback. And as they even said in the episode, the town is full of heroes.
1: Well, yes, the town is full of heroes, and none of them are this Special weird, brand. superlative, yes, brand of hero that they've set up for this particular story. Uh, you know, it's always the heart of the truest believer, it's the m- greatest potential for darkness it's uh, whatever this is <laughs> the, purest yeah, the purest hero hero that eh, don't know what that means really that's even
0: what emma said yeah so
1: i i mean so it's kind of weird because on the one hand it can be pulled by arthur which i guess now i don't understand maybe that's what made me trust him in the beginning too he's supposed to be <laughs> worthy of leading camelot or of leading in general or some such thing and that's why he can pull it from the stone He certainly doesn't seem, maybe he was then, he doesn't seem pure of heart at this point. I wonder if he could actually still pull it from the stone.
2: Well, I think the sword is what transformed him. Like when he he pulled a sword and then felt like a fraudulent king. Uh, I think most of his desperation is because he doesn't want to be found out to be a fraud. Especially Mm. going back to when he was a child and he was so convinced that this was the truth and nobody believed him.
1: Yeah, I guess everything was going the way he thought it would until he found out it was broken.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. So
2: he had pretty pure intentions at that point.
1: So does that mean at that point he was this, he was like the purest of heart? Could no other hero in Storybrooke have actually pulled this thing from the stone?
2: Well, I mean, Snow and Charming are only half-hearted now, so they're (laughs) out. Uh, Regina, (laughs) she's got too much darkness. I think Henry could have probably pulled the sword. That's what I would have preferred to see happen.
0: What makes Rumpel the one to do this is going back to the pure heart. All the darkness was sucked out. And I think that is what makes him have this mm-hmm. insta-hero sort of status.
1: Yes, I agree. I'm just saying it wasn't required that the hero be quite that pure of heart in a way that couldn't possibly even exist right. the first time we saw it pulled from well, the stone. Well, that's
0: because the first time Merlin had chosen who would pull that sword from the stone. Mm. Mm.
2: Mm, that makes sense. Baby Neil, he could have been
0: pure hearted. on oh. to the sword, baby. His,
2: his heart's not tainted yet.
0: <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't know. We'd have to ask his parents about that. <laughs> 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 but speaking of tainted hearts, everyone figures out that Arthur is here, even in Storybrooke, sitting on a throne of lies. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's so dramatic.
0: But it was nice to see Henry's authorship brought in again as being a key to something here. And that Henry, by being an author, has been chosen by Merlin. The status. It's not just anyone can become the author. That's the thing, is you have to be chosen. So Henry was clearly chosen in order for him to become the author. So that was neat that they pulled that in. I'd like to see them actually do something with his authorship role. Of maybe, maybe that's the season finale is that he writes the story, writes the end, and closes the book, and it's Old Henry. Old Henry. <laughs> yeah.
2: You meant series finale, right? Yes. Okay.
0: Mm, yeah. That would
2: be good. That would be very charmed like, but that would be good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We also found out that the Crimson Crown is imbued with a special magic that causes someone in the group to say its name every time that it's viewed by people. Every time. And by the way, remember how we were talking about vocabulary words for story arcs? Imbued was some past season, and I don't remember which one.
0: (laughs) We've learned a lot of words. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the word of this
1: episode is Nimaway. Right? Nobody said snuff, by the way, in this episode.
2: Oh, I'm disappointed.
0: (laughs) So apparently... Nimue is the only person who can help defeat the Dark One. Or was. I think, what if this was an old message? <laughs> I think, well, yeah, it goes back to that thing that you said in the initial reactions, theorizing. Huh. I don't know. If this was an older message, then I don't think he would be referring to Nimue being the only one who could save them, mm-hmm. because... One of our theories that seems we're mostly in agreement with is Nimue was the first Dark One that was there right. and put Merlin in the tree in the first place. So how could Merlin say Nimue is the only one who can stop the Dark One if Nimue is the Dark One? Yes. And he's worried about the Nim- the Dark One coming. I don't think it quite matches up. But if the Dark One, if Nimue is the one he was talking about,
1: then Nimue was destroyed. Right so there's something that's not matching up there
0: yeah and i know there will be spoilers a little bit from Jacqueline and hunter in a little bit and they will probably prove a lot of these theories that we have <laughs> wrong based on what's coming in the next couple episodes but we've talked a little bit about uh who nimoway is and jessica olsen did some nice research and sent it in for us this is a little bit long but i think this is worth reading Woot Jessica said, "I looked up Nimue from Arthurian legend on several different sites and they all said similar things. They say that she was one of two ladies of the lake, which would work since it seems charming already killed one of them, and also that she has ties to raising Lancelot and being Merlin's apprentice, which I found interesting." In most of the versions, Merlin falls in love with her and she basically leads him on until she feels like she's learned everything she can from him and then traps him in a cave or a tree. Hmm. The Wikipedia article on Lady of the Lake says, "...different writers and copyists give the Arthurian character the name Nimue, Vivian uh, and several different versions that I won't go through all of them right here, among other variations." It then continues with her backstory, which fits perfectly well with what we've seen in Merlin's backstory so far. Quote, Vivian learns her magic from Merlin, who becomes enamored of her. She refuses to give him her love until he has taught her all his secrets, after which she uses her power to trap him either in the trunk of a tree or beneath a stone, depending on the story and author. Though Merlin, through his power of foresight, knows beforehand that this will happen, he is unable to counteract Vivian because of the quote, truth unquote, this ability of foresight holds. He decides to do nothing for his situation other than to continue to teach her his secrets until she takes the opportunity to entrap and entomb him in a tree, a stone, or a cave. Unquote. Jessica continues. It would fit really well if she were the dark one that trapped him in the tree, especially if that message was made by Merlin before he was trapped. Going back to Jeremy's theory here. Mm. He never used Emma's name, which makes me believe, like Jeremy, that he's not even talking about Emma when he says the dark one found him. I'm really interested to see where they go with this. Great feedback, Jessica. Thank you for doing that research.
2: On Wikipedia, it also says that... um... There's often ladies of the lake. So the two or two or more people bore the title. So that would still work with what they've already established in Once Upon a Time. I am curious just because we watched Once Wonderland and it should all line up, even though a lot of once proper fans did not watch Once Wonderland. I am curious how this will line up with, um, Nyx, who was the the creepy kid in the well in One's
1: Wonderland.
2: (laughs) Um, Just because, like, so the Lady of the Lake that Charming killed was in Lake Nostos, right? Nostos?
0: Did we consider that Lady of the Lake? Yeah, she was called Lady of the Lake and that was in the episode Lady of the Lake. It was
2: the name of the episode.
0: I knew it was the name of the episode. I just
1: didn't know that she was called that.
2: And then I'm just, I mean, just because there's been a lot in previous seasons, not so much recently, but in for sure season two about the magical water running through the lands and that it's all kind of connected. And that's why Mary, Margaret and Emma came through the well when they jumped into the lake with the portal and all of this stuff. So I'm just, I'm curious because I think it's pretty clear that the ocean that they are on in Storybrooke is not that magical water, but who knows?
0: Now here's another theory this comes from Jiminy's journal saying what if Dr. Doom Dark One is the untethered darkness taken corporeal form. Rumpel warned Belle that she doesn't want to be around the Dark One when no one else is home as his heart was going black and he was dying. Also in The Miller's Daughter when Rumpel was dying the name on the dagger was fading away which led to Cora changing her plan trying to become the next Dark One. And if she knew what would happen, maybe only Merlin can control the untethered darkness, due to being the sorcerer? Even she could have feared the untethered darkness. This would explain why Merlin accused Dr. Doom Dark One of killing his lost love. We don't necessarily know how long Dr. Doom Dark One has been around. After all, Rumpel was the Dark One for, what, 300 years? Interesting idea, Jimney's journal. Mm. There's
1: this... One moment that keeps standing out in my mind as we've been going through this season, I, I think it was Cora. I remember her fearing that if the poisoned Rumpelstiltskin Dark One died, I believe she said all that power would just evaporate, which actually is kind of contrary to several other things they've said. But maybe
0: yeah. she didn't even know how the Dark One power even worked. Probably not. Because after all, no one else knew... Until the apprentice told how it all happened.
1: That's true. Well, somehow Rumple knew, but he probably had a head dark one at some point telling him what would happen.
2: Something really interesting I just found is in a 1903 illustration of Lady of the Lake in Howard Pyle's The Story of King Arthur and His Knights, there is a swan flying in the background. (gasps) Whoa. I would say it's a swan anyway. anyway. Arthur Pyle. Humble opinion. It's a black-beaked swan, which means that it's a trumpeter swan, probably. All right.
0: So this concludes our discussion of the episode, The Bear and the Bow. But you can continue the conversation on our forums or in the comments for this episode. Oncepodcast.com slash 216 takes you straight to this episode. And here's something you can do that would really help us out. It doesn't cost you anything, just a few seconds. And that is go to oncepodcast.com slash 216 and click those buttons to share this on Facebook, to tweet it, to post it on Reddit or Tumblr. That's a new button that we now have. You can Tumblr our posts on the website and you can share it out to all of these different social networks. And that would really help us a lot to spread the message about the podcast And continue to get some great theories in here like the great theories that we were able to include in this podcast but we always want to have your theories in upcoming episodes as well so remember to check the contact information on the website oncepodcast.com to find out how you can send us your thoughts and theories on the episodes you can call and leave a voicemail on our phone number at any time of day you can send an audio message you can send us an email plenty of options over there at oncepodcast.com. And if you're not subscribed to the podcast already, please go to oncepodcast.com and click subscribe in whatever app you prefer for getting your podcast. We recommend the podcast app for iOS devices or the uh, iTunes app on desktop computers, but there are plenty of other options, Stitcher, Overcast, things on Android as well. That's all at oncepodcast.com. Please connect with us on Twitter at @oncepodcast and I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at the Ramen Noodle.
1: I'm Jeremy Laughlin on Twitter at Fleagon. That's P H L E G O N.
2: I'm Aaron, and I'm on Twitter at Aaron J. Cruz.
0: This episode would not be possible without our great team of volunteers who make each episode really possible for us. Special thanks to Corbin for sorting our feedback, Jack for writing our show notes, John Buchanan for editing our episodes, Hunter Hathaway and Jacqueline for providing spoilers. You'll hear from them in a moment. Jacqueline and Matthew Paul for moderating the forums, Keb managing our timeline, and my fellow co-hosts Jeremy, Aaron, Hunter, and Jacqueline hosting this podcast with me. And until next time, remember, I'm more of a hit first, ask questions later kind of lass. And thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our heroes for this episode of the podcast and making it possible. If you'd like to be one of them, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash hero and thank you for your support.
4: Hi, Oncers. I'm Hunter Hathaway. And I'm Jacqueline. And it's Spoiler Time for Once podcast, episode 507, Nimue. In Camelot, Merlin spearheads a mission to reunite the dagger with Excalibur so he can use the weapon to save Emma from the darkness threatening her soul. With Zelina in tow, Hook, Mary, Margaret, David, Regina, and Robin steal into Arthur's castle to take the broken sword from the maniacal king. Meanwhile, Merlin brings Emma along on a journey to confront his ancient nemesis and retrieve the sacred spark he'll need to reforge Excalibur. Both parties are tested, but one suffers a blow that could derail the entire operation. In a flashback to long before the age of Arthur, young Merlin finds purpose after he is blessed with magic and immortality. But when he falls in love with a young refuge named Nimue everything changes for Merlin as their romance starts a chain of events that
3: touches every one of our present-day heroes. Yes, and this episode is written by Jane Espenson and directed by Romeo Tyrone. Yes, and we have a couple guest stars.
4: There's not a whole lot of the Camelot gang. There's Arthur and Guinevere, Caroline Ford as Nimue, Darren Moore as Vortigon, Graham Virture as Young Apprentice, Jackie Mins as Woman, Max Haynes as Young Man, and Jason
3: Simpsons as Ada. Um, interesting to note that we're seeing Vortigan again. We saw him back in episode 505, but he was actually played by a different actor then. So it's possible that this Vortigan guy, I think, is the dude in the mask. Okay. And they're just using whatever body is available or something. But he gets a name because he's probably talking. Probably. Okay. So we got a promo, another short one. Yeah. So we see Emma and Camelot, and she wants to put together the dagger and Excalibur in order to ban the darkness from her. And then she and Merlin are going to go off on a little adventure together. And in Storybrooke, Rumple tells Emma about the sword. And then we do see... Merlin and Emma looking at what is probably the spark from the original fire mm-hmm. that will put the two back together. And Emma must summon the darkest force of all time, apparently.
4: Yeah. I wonder what that could be. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I like that it's the darkest force of all time.
4: Yeah, and that's what they said in the promo, too. When they said it, I'm like, oh, that doesn't
3: sound very good. So we got a script tease. Yes, I love script teases. Oh yeah, these are our favorite. And this is Robin Hood and Regina. So who would you like to play?
4: Um, I'll do Robin Hood. You can be Regina. You love her.
3: Okay, sure. Do you suppose that's for us? I have a feeling we don't want to find out. Doesn't give us much info. but No. <laughs> and the pictures don't help either. There are a lot of pictures this week, but not a lot of really anything that's going on in Storybrooke.
4: Or context, really. Yeah, there's no context to anything
3: with these like, pictures.
4: You can kind of guess what it's for, but you really are like, okay, what's this for? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Or it's a lot of photos of the exact same thing.
3: Yes. Um, so we have Emma and Merlin going on their journey, mm-hmm. and we do see a very ancient – it is sort of uh, Celtic-looking um, yeah. shrine, almost. I love that's the stonework. Yeah, it looks really nice. It does look really um, – it looks really good. Yes. And then there are a ton of photos of Merlin with the woman who is playing Nimue. Yes. And it's very romantic. Um, It's set a long, long time ago. This looks like it's a long, long time ago. It looks like ancient Camelot to me. Yeah. And... (laughs) The interesting thing to note is that you see a lot of those pink flowers in the scene. Yes. And those are the flowers that we've seen pop up a couple times now with various couples. Um, So their romance is probably doomed. Of
4: course it is. I
3: mean, it's once upon a time. But she does look really pretty, and they do look really in love. Yes, she looks happy, and you could just tell that there's something there. Yeah, and then you do have the darkest evil, who is probably Vortigan, um, with his mask and cloak. You can't see anything else, and he looks like he's spying on them. Yeah. And then there were a few pictures of Camelot of six weeks ago, where we had everyone, minus Emma, traveling to, I guess, some castle or something. A couple people have new clothes. I really like what they put snow in. It's a really pretty dress. Yes. And She know, looks the, so royal. She does. She really looks like she's, you know, Queen Snow White and that. And she's outfit. in her element. Yes. Very but pretty.
4: You know what I did notice? Mm. Is that Zelina is in, like, the front of the group, like, leading yes. them. Yes.
3: It seems as though Zelina might know something.
4: Which is weird, considering she's from the Wizard of Oz story.
3: Yes. Like, like how does she know anything about Camelot?
4: Right. They don't, that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. But okay, we got lots more other things going on besides just the next episode. So we all know that Emma had to cast the curse to bring everyone back to Storybrooke. And Eddie Kitsis has revealed that in order for her to cast the curse, she had to crush the heart of the thing you love most. So I don't know if that's the same as the one Regina did, because she had to kill her father to take his heart. But this one says crush. Well, she did end up having to crush his heart because she crushes it over the fire, But I don't know if it was a little literal
3: crush or Uh, a... Like, she crushed Henry's heart. I I mean, the the thing that I think a lot of people going with is that someone is probably sharing a heart right now. Okay. Because that's what they ended up doing in Season 3B with Snow and Charming. Snow took Charming's heart, but then brought him back by splitting her own heart so that they now share one. Right. So my guess is that Emma probably took... It'll probably either be Henry or Hook, and she has split her heart somehow.
4: Okay. And, of course, Adam Horowitz goes on to say they're not going to tell us anything about it. Pretty much. (laughs) He'll say that the information you need to guess has not appeared yet or has it. So, of course, they're not telling us anything
3: new. Yeah. That's probably going to be a big reveal soon, though, because we are getting close to the end of this arc. I know. So...
4: We've got more photos. For me, they bring up more questions and answers. There's a couple photos of coming up episodes, and it's Dark Emma, so Dark Swan, and a lot of cloaked figures.
3: Yeah, and I think my current theory about them is that they are pain and panic from, uh, if you've seen Disney's Hercules, because of course the big theory right now is that our villain for season 5B is going to be Hades. Mm-hmm. And I think... Those cloaked figures are his minions, Pain and Panic. But one person does have a very pretty sparkly cloak. Which makes everything okay. It does. It makes it all perfect. (laughs) Okay, so we do have more information about the two-hour episode that is coming up, and that is episode eight and nine, so that'll be after this week. In Birth, which is the first of the two-part episode, Hook risks everything to uncover the truth about what Emma did in Camelot. Then in The Bear King, which is the episode right after that, Red and Mulan return to help Merida uncover the truth about her father's death. And we do have a first look at Merida and Mulan, and they are very female warrior. You know, Merida's got her bow and Mulan's got her sword. Yep. So. And of course, we're going to have Red there, too. So
4: we might. They haven't said anything, but we might get to see a wolf again. Yes, hopefully. I would
3: love that. Yes. (laughs) Yes.
4: So, yeah, that's going to be a big episode, I think.
3: Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting one. I'm really excited to see Red and Mulan. It's, yeah, it's, it's definitely been a while since we've seen both of them. Too long, I think. Yeah. But they're starting
4: to film episode 12, which is the 100th episode. Um, and it's got a lot of fun and interesting pictures coming out of it.
3: Yeah. And I say a lot, but there's only two, but they are really cool. They're really cool. You know, if you've been watching the show since the beginning, you know that they occasionally like to destroy Storybrooke. Yes. Or make it look like Storybrooke is going to be destroyed. Um, and this is no different. The really cool picture to me is the clock tower has fallen off of the library and is sinking into the road.
4: Yeah, or the road split open, or somehow
3: it's going in. Going with the underworld theory, I think instead of us going to the underworld now— I think Hades is coming to Storybrooke. Ooh, that'd be fun. And I think it's probably likely that the ground is going to open up and he's going to like rise from hell or something.
4: Yeah, that's really cool. Did you see the video that they put on someone put online of them wheeling
3: that set piece out? Yes. <laughs> it's really kind of cool cuz they just built like half the clock tower. Yeah, yeah. But it it's done really well. It does look like it's sinking into the ground.
4: Yes. And the other one that's very interesting to me is Emma's yellow bug is completely burnt.
3: Yeah, that makes me sad.
4: Right, but if if everyone's got magic, they can always fix it. I hope so, because that bug is... I love the love bug. It's the love (laughs) bug. And it's been around since Neil, like, long time ago, Neil.
3: Exactly. It's... It's kind of important to me as, you know, the diehard swanfire shipper. um, I'd really like that bug not to get hurt. (laughs) So I hope hopefully it gets fixed.
4: But it's still there. It's not like it's in pieces. That's true. That's true. So it might just be um, smoke or something that just has to get scrubbed off. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm holding out hope for you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. But we've got tons of casting news. We do. Like this is the most I think
3: we've had at one time. This entire season. Definitely for a while. I think the last time we had this much was probably when they were starting to cast the Camelot crew. Yeah. Well, they're starting to film the next half of the season, so it's understandable that we're going to start getting a lot more. Mm -hmm. So for an early Season 5B episode, we do have the role of a dashing, strapping young man who is single-minded in his pursuit of his destiny to be the greatest hero who ever lived. and everyone. Knows instantly that's Hercules. Yes, there is no doubt in my mind that is Hercules. When
4: I was, in, I don't read the boards because I always get confused as to where I am and where I last <laughs> left off. But as soon as I saw this and I was typing it out, I'm like, oh, that's Hercules. It's Hercules. Yeah, it has to be him. That's
3: really kind of fun though to go that way. And then of course going along with Hercules, for the same episode, Once is also casting a plucky, 18-year-old female adventurer with a sly sense of humor and a tough, no-nonsense spirit. So, that's Meg. Meg. That's Meg. (laughs) That's Meg. Yep. So, I'm really excited to see that. I'm going to have to go watch Hercules again. It's one of those Disney movies that I think kind of gets lost in the shuffle because it was right at the end of, you know, the Disney renaissance type deal right and so i mean i was at the point when i was really growing up and um you know my favorites were always the little mermaid and beauty and the beast but hercules upon rewatching, it has a lot of really great music i and love the music of hercules yes, and, and i it's, love it's the good, story
4: yeah. and it's just fun yes okay let's move on to even more exciting news this is the big one greg german has been cast in the the heavily recurring role known as Distinguished Gentleman. So we talked about that. It's Hades. <laughs> yeah, we well, we talked about him, I think it was last week. Yeah. But we will first see him in the 100th episode, so episode 12 what they're filming now. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, um, you can look him up on Wikipedia or whatever, but he has a huge list of credits, but he's best known
3: for Ally McBeal. Yeah, and there are some really good pictures people have found of him posing or whatever, and he he does have a very um, almost sinister-type look sometimes. Mm-hmm. He can be very intense. And there, um, Matt, my co-moderator, Matt, he found some really nice voice work that German has done, um, and he does kind of sound a little bit like James Woods, who mm. played Hades in Hercules. I don't so. remember,
4: but he was in Bolt, so he's not new to the ABC Disney. Yeah. And he was in... Like, I think I saw he was in Chasing Life, which is that new show that just ended on ABC Family. Mm-hmm. Like, you've seen him. Like, you may not know the name, but you have seen him.
3: All right. And then we do have some big casting oh. or at least some uh, some familiar faces yes. for episode 100 because that is the uh, 12th episode of the season. It's the one we're going to come back with in March. So first up, I'm going to save the really big one until the very end. We'll build to it. The first one is Giancarlo Esposito, who will be back as Sydney Glass or the Magic Mirror. We're always glad to see Sydney, and then a surprising one is actually Emma Caulfield, who yes. is going to be back as the Blind Witch. Butter or gravy? Yeah, way way back in season one, the the one off episode, uh, True North with Hansel and Gretel. She was the Blind Witch who wanted to eat the kids. We haven't seen her since. They so, haven't even talked. They about haven't her. even talked about her. She's actually really surprising.
4: We haven't seen the kids at school. We haven't seen, and we haven't even seen um, the dad who is a mechanic. Like we haven't. This story has
3: been off our radars for four years. Yeah, I was really surprised that she was coming back. Yes, and then the really big one, the one that I think is for me the most exciting, was Robbie Kay will be coming back as Peter Pan. Yeah. They do have a photo going around with him. Him and Sean McGuire. Yeah, looking really nice. It's great to see him. He did such an amazing job as Peter Pan back in Season 3A. Um, he was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm really excited because Peter Pan was probably my favorite villain we've ever had.
4: Yes. But our 100th episode is shaping up to look really amazing.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And we got a little bit more news about it. Episode 512 now has a title, Woo-hoo! Souls of the Departed, and it's going to be written by Edward Kitsis and Adam Horowitz.
3: Yes. And, you know, that title really does scream that the underworld is coming to Once Upon a Time. And that's probably why we are seeing a lot of the ex-villains who have died, such as Cora, Peter Pan, and now the Blind Witch, because they are probably coming up from the underworld to plague storybook or something
4: yes and there's more that they could come up with or we'll see and we just don't know yet yes but that's all really exciting news i can't wait yeah too bad we have to wait till march yeah it's gonna be a long hiatus <laughs> but that's all we have for you this week i'm hunter you can follow
3: me on twitter at bit of pixie dust i'm Jacqueline, and you can follow me on twitter at punk underscore bunny underscore 87 until next time once <laughs>